Let's take our Bibles now and turn once again to the book of Mark, chapter number one. The book of Mark, chapter number one this evening. And here in just a moment, we're going to begin at verse number 21. Mark chapter number 1, beginning at verse number 21 this evening. Amen. Amen. Power in prayer. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. For there say amen. Amen. The Bible says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what, is, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with what authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits? And they do obey him. And immediately... His fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning service. We thank you for the worship time, our fellowship, our learning, Lord, the word that was preached. And I pray, Lord, that, Lord, that you'll feed us tonight. And, Lord, that we too tonight could hear a word from you. And Lord, that it will be uh, sanctifying and edifying to us. Lord, that it will do an eternal work in our lives. Lord, I pray that we cherish this moment we have together and realize, Lord, it is a privilege to be here with your people, to sing together, to pray together, and now, Lord, to hear your word together. And Lord, we thank you most of all, Jesus, for salvation that comes only by you. And for those of us who know you as Savior, Lord, we, we worship and praise you as the Lord of our lives. And Lord, I pray that we could grow tonight by your word. And that that word would change our lives. Bless this church by your word, through your spirit. In Jesus, your name, we ask these things. Amen. Now, notice verse 20. Now, the last time that we considered the book of Mark, a couple Sundays ago, um, we, we dealt with Jesus and the call of Christ on the lives of these four apostles. Now, notice verse 20. And straightway he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the ship with the hired servants and went after them. Of course, we could add, verse 16, we could add Simon, which is Peter, and Andrew, his brother. So we have Simon and Andrew, and we have James and John. Verse 16, Simon and Andrew. Verse 19, we have James and John. Now, now notice what the Bible is doing. Notice what the Holy Spirit is doing. So verse 20, and straightway he called them. But then you get to verse number 21, and they went. So verse 20, he called them. And verse 21, and they went. And th that's the difference. That's what changes your life. So there's, Jesus calls a lot of people, but a lot of people don't go. 
And Jesus calls a lot of people to him. And a lot of people don't come to him for salvation. And even in your life, there's a call in your life to serving. And he calls you. And there's, there's many people who lag behind. And so Jesus calls them, verse 20, and then verse 21, and they went. And, and this, this, is, this is discipleship. From the very beginning, we see the work of Christ, the call of Christ, and, and they went. And they went. And so if, and I pray we are, if we're learning scripture, and we're learning the word of God, and if you, maybe you was even at home, and you're reading this passage of scripture, that's something that you would, you would, you would hear that, you'd apply that to your life. And so what is the word of God trying to tell me? What is the Bible trying to teach me? What does God want me to know? So it's, it's more than just an exercise of listening. Like we need to apply it to our lives. Like the, the pulpit is a tool, is a means of grace that God uses to change your life for his glory and his purpose. So, so tonight, if you're a Christian, this is, this, is, this is when that you would take that and you would apply it to your life. And so... Jesus called them, the next, the next scene in their life should be what? And they went. So that should be the same for all the disciples of Jesus. So Jesus calls you, the next scene is they went. The, so Jesus called you and you go. And, and from that moment on, and notice the word straightway, by the way, in verse number 21. The book of Mark, is a, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a book about the action of Jesus. He's on the go, he's on the move. It's portraying Jesus as a servant. The, he is the serving Messiah in the book of Mark. And so he is going. And so Jesus calls four men. He called them. And straightway they go. And the next scene in the lives of... In the li- we think about the lives of Christ. But also the lives of these disciples. So they left their nets. And the next scene in the book of Mark is Jesus is performing a miracle and he's casting out demons out of a guy that nobody could help him. And so if they had not gone, they would not have got to experience the power of Christ, not only in their lives, but see it work in the lives of other people. Also notice the word they. So it's he, and then it becomes they. And Jesus is gathering a people. And I hope and pray that you're part of the they, amen? So it's he, it's he in verse number 20, And then it changes in one verse and it becomes they. So he called them and now they went together. So he calls them and they go. It's not that some of them went, they went. Okay, I remember uh, where I work at, we have a, uh, sometimes we have safety training, which is boring. And uh, sometimes we have quizzes afterwards, we have to learn safety things. And I come to find out, it's really not for me. It's so the company isn't liable for me, and they could say, I told you so, you know. But I, I remember sometimes this teacher, he would say something in the class, because really, it's not like you're in high school. They just want you to go to the class. But he wants you to pass the test, because he don't want to see you again. And when he would say something important that's on the test, he would, he would even say at the start of the class, if I say something important, he's going to stomp his feet. And that means... That's something you need to make note of. And I, I thought about that. The Holy Spirit does the same thing. And so tonight, I hope and pray that you saw that, that he called them and they went. They went. And that's something that you need to lay hold on. It's not just, don't, don't just look at it and wait, wow, that's awesome. Or not even so much, and, and do, 
the Lord, He glorifies His Word even above His own name. And absolutely we can say, wow, the Word of God is very amazing that that's even in there. That little nugget of truth is amazing. But it won't do what God wants really it to be done unless you and I do it. And so He called them, they went. And that should be all of our testimonies. He's calling you from something. He's trying to take you somewhere else. So He calls you from you, ordinary, boring life, and He's calling you to Himself. And when you follow Jesus, listen, it might not be safe. It it, it might not be comfortable. And it leads to a cross, but ultimately to a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Amen? So the saints in glory now, and once we get there and join the rest, when the saints come marching in, we're going to say, by the grace of God, I'm so glad, and they went. Amen. So that, that could be a whole 40-minute sermon. So he called, verse 20, and they went. Now notice the Bible. It's, it's, it's introducing us to the ministry of Jesus. So we're, it's not just, here's, here's something that Jesus did. The Bible is trying to show us a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't have a picture of Jesus. Newsflash. You might think you know what he looks like, but you don't know what he looks like. And he was not white. Amen? <laughs> you know why? He's the minority of minorities. He's from the most people-hated group in the world. He, he is a Jew. They've been persecuted more than any other race. It's fitting that he comes from them so he could be for all of us. Amen? And so Jesus, we we don't know what he looks like in the face, but the Bible is trying to show us who he is. That's what we need to know about Jesus. What is the Bible telling us about Jesus? Well, the Bible says this about the way that he taught. In verse 21, they were astonished. So, So Jesus is teaching, and they recognize there's something going on in here. He's in the synagogue. He's in a he's in a setting like tonight. And he stands to teach. Or he sets to teach, whatever the manner was. He's teaching, and they are blown away by what he's saying. I, I want to say, first of all, they understand what he's saying. He is, he is, what does that mean? He taught them as one having authority. First thing that comes to my heart is this, is that he spoke with, with authenticity. He wasn't trying to be like anybody else. I'm glad, thank God, he's not like anybody else, Amen. I'm glad he's not like all the rest of them. So he's, he's teaching with, from a place of authority. Now what is that? That, that means it's not from somebody else. He's, he's speaking as the teacher. He's speaking as the one who is the learned. He's, everybody is his students. You ever notice some, people, some people's lives, and, and Brother Bill actually, that edified me. One day he said, you know, some people, they will not allow you to speak into their life. They just won't. You can't teach them anything. They are always the teacher. They are never the student. Jesus is always the teacher. He's always the teacher. He's not learning anything from you and I. So what does that mean then? It means he is your teacher. He's your master. He's your Lord. And so he's he's teaching here in the synagogue. It's authentic. It's from him. Now, he's not as the scribes. And he didn't establish his authority upon the authority of other people. 
So he, he's, he's talking and teaching from a position that it is not being imparted onto him. Like in those days, they would quote a lot of other people. They would say like, um, like so-and-so says, the, the oral traditions of their fathers. All the scribes and the, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were just quoting this oral tradition. They were constantly saying, you know, like Dr. So-and-so says. And you know, like scribe so-and-so says. And you know, like this guy says. And it's this oral tradition. And I bet people were bored out of their mind. You know why they were bored? Because it was not speaking to the need in their heart. That's why they were bored. And I often say this, the Bible's not boring, people are boring. But the Bible isn't boring. Because the Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible is authentic, and the Bible is its own authority. People quote the Bible. The Bible don't quote people. Amen? Now, Jesus is speaking as if He's the one that doesn't need to cite other works. Now, He quotes Scripture. But don't forget, he, he is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's quoting Scripture because He is Scripture. He, he's quoting Scripture because He said it. He could even say this, like I said back in Genesis. He would have been correct. He's not citing some other teacher. He is the teacher. You you notice in other places where Jesus would say, it hath been said unto you. And then he would say, but I say unto you. He says, it's been said this way, or you've heard it this way. But then Jesus says, but I say unto you. What is he saying? I am the authority. And so when he speaks to people, he speaks to people where they understand that he is the authority over their lives. He's not citing other people. He's not referencing past works. He is the authority. And let him be your teacher. Let him be the authority over your life. So he's he's teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He's teaching as one that has authority and not as the scribes. And then when you get to verse number 23, while he's in the synagogue, there is somebody there with a great need. And people with needs should come under the teaching of Jesus. People with needs should come under the power of Jesus Christ. They need His Word. Now you'll notice something. Wherever there is the Word of Christ, there'll be a miracle of Christ. Have you never noticed? Whenever it is, a, when it is the Word of God, you might not see it, you might not notice it, but whenever it is the Word of God, His Word will not return unto Him void. So whenever it's the words of Christ, His Word won't return unto Him void, and you might think it ain't a mountain to you, a hill of beans to you, but God is working in somebody's life. So wherever there's the Word of God, you'll notice there is a miracle of God. Whenever there's the Word of God, there's a need, And the Word of God in the person of Jesus Christ meets that need. Even His Word cast out the demons. Did you notice that? It was His Word. He didn't do hocus-pocus stuff. He didn't do a dance. He didn't do a sun dance. He didn't do do a, a pagan ritual. He just spoke. His power is the power that works the work of God. Because His Word is the voice of God. Amen? So He's the teacher. You see it? So while he's there, 
there is a man, and it seems that he interrupts the service. And he says in verse 24, let us alone. So this man is tormented with who knows how many demons in his life. And he says, what, what, verse 24, have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? That seems like an insult, don't it? Because that's not like a good part of a town where you come from. So it seems, and he's the, the devil is the first one to use the phrase or title Jesus of Nazareth. And they must have gotten to know each other. Maybe they got to know each other when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness of the devil. So this demon or demons calls him Jesus of Nazareth, verse 24. He says, art thou come to destroy us? He knows who he's dealing with. And he says, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. So it seems there's an insult, but he has to say the truth. But you're the Holy One of God. You know, don't let the devil recognize what you're missing. (laughs) So the demons know who he is, but you and I sometimes have no clue. You know, we're like, we're like the great patriarch. Surely the Lord has been in this place, and we know it not. I mean, we're like the, uh, we're like the disciples, and Jesus says, watch with me, watch with me, and pray that you don't enter into temptation, and then we fall asleep, don't we? I mean, we are not overcome by the glory of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, by the awesomeness of Jesus, but the demons seem to get it. I mean, he's in this crowd and people recognize his authority, but the demons said, you are the Holy One of God. Pray to God that we can have eyes of faith, that we could see him as he is. Amen? There must be something about looking upon Jesus through an eye of faith. Because if we'll look upon him as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, then we will not perish. We'll believe upon him. God help us to see him as he is And so the demons certainly know who he is. In verse 25, and Jesus rebuked him, and he has the power to do that, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. Now remember, Jesus' word, now why does does he just say the word? Because it's the word that has power. You and I could take the aircraft carrier, all the aircraft carriers the Navy has, and we couldn't cast out a demon. We could take a, a, a Victor, a Coley, Coley a brother Bob and Jackie's son-in-law, he was on a nuclear submarine. Sherry's husband was on a nuclear submarine. We could take all the nuclear warheads in all the Navy's arsenal and we couldn't cast out a demon. We, but Jesus at his word can do it. So who are we dealing with here? What is the Bible? Who is, the Bible is showing us who he is. So we, Jesus got baptized, fights the devil in the wilderness, calls for disciples, follow me, and they follow him, and immediately we're getting a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks with one who has authority, not as the scribes. At just his voice, his word can cast out demons, and they have to obey him. They don't want to obey him. They have to obey him. He has the authority that nobody else has. Amen? Let that increase your faith tonight. Jesus has the authority that no one else has. Jesus can do in your life what no one else can do. And Jesus can work a thing out that you can never attempt to work out on your own. He has that power. Amen? So trust in Him and rely on Him and believe on Him and follow after Him because He has what you need. Amen? Amen. He has what you need. 
Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him. Hold thy peace, Jesus said, and come out of him. Now notice 26. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried out with a loud voice. Now listen, Jesus can cast out demons. Amen. But there is no demon that will go out quietly. And if, when the devil consumes a life, even at his, at his being cast out, he tears the victim. He leaves his mark and cries with a loud voice. And he finally came out of him. In verse number 27, and they were all amazed. Now what is going on here? Let's take a step back. So Jesus is teaching with authority. Jesus, they recognize his authority. And now the demons come, the, the man possessed with these demons comes to Jesus and Jesus cast out the demons. What, what this means is, is that the one who's teaching and preaching with authority, his authority, his word, his power, you need to listen to him because he can cast out demons. It's, it's validating who he is. He's performing a miracle, so you would say, and I would say, and we should believe it just like we were there, this is the word of God, that we, our faith, would rest in him, that we would recognize him as the son of the living God. Who listens, who, who does the devil listen to? He don't listen to you. What authority in the universe can cast out demons? You can't do it. Who is this person? Only God is in charge of demonic activity. He's the only one that can do it. It's that simple. So Jesus is teaching with authority, and then a man cries out, Thou Jesus of Nazareth, thou Holy One of God, and Jesus rebukes him and says, Quit talking and be out of him. And Jesus, the Son of the living God, is the only one on earth that has the authority and the power to do that. What is Jesus saying about himself? He is God. Trust in Him. Now, while you're turning to the book of John, chapter number 20, there's an interesting commentary, or the Bible is letting us in on why Jesus performed miracles. But Adrian Rogers, who is a great preacher, love worth finding ministry, would be a great resource for you. He said this about miracles. He said, I believe in miracles, but I trust in Jesus Christ. Hey, I believe, don't you, that God can perform any miracle that He wants to. I believe Jesus can heal any one of us from any disease in our body, don't you? But wouldn't you agree with this also from your life experience? He don't cure every disease, does he? Have you ever seen your loved ones die and get sick? Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed they'd get healed and they pass away? Listen, first of all, don't let that rock your faith because Jesus in John chapter 5, remember the man by the pool of Bethesda, laid there, laid there 38 years and Jesus walks through all them sick and hurting people and he goes to that one, that one, he goes to that one and he says, wilt thou be made whole? And the guy's like, yeah, but I have no man. And Jesus said, rise up and walk. And Jesus walked by a lot of people that day to heal that man. Listen, I agree. I believe in miracles, don't you? But I trust in Jesus Christ. Because you know what? Heaven is healing, isn't it? When I finally, finally, from the Christian's perspective, 
Stop being, first of all, if you're a born-again Christian, stop, pray, seek God to the point that you'll you'll, you'll stop being afraid of dying. Because He came to save you and to give you everlasting life. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we know it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we do know when He doth appear, we shall be like Him. And when the last trump of God is sounded, and when the Son of Man cometh on a cloud of glory, the dead in Christ will hear His voice, and they will arise from the dead. Right? Not in a corruptible body, but incorruptible. And this saying will be fulfilled. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Stop being afraid of dying. I believe in miracles, don't you? But I trust in Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus cast the demons out of this man? It's proving who he is. He came to what Hebrews says. He came that he might destroy the works of of the devil. So John chapter 20, look what John says about the ministry, the sign ministry of Jesus Christ, the miracle ministry of Jesus Christ. John chapter 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, in the book of John. But he said, John said, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Why did Jesus perform miracles that you might believe that He is the Son of God? And that by believing on Him, you might have life through His name. So the point of miracles wasn't so you could live forever on earth, was so you might have everlasting life through His name. Amen? That's why Jesus did miracles. So you and I would say, only the Son of God can walk on water. Only the Son of God could raise Lazarus from the tomb. Only the Son of God could give sight to the blind. Only the Son of God could cast out demons. Then when Jesus says in John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, say unto you Whosoever heareth my word and believeth on him who sent me shall not come into condemnation, but shall have everlasting life. Jesus did things so you might know who he is because knowing him is the greatest miracle of them all, not never being sick. Amen. And sometimes sickness is the threshold, the conduit by which God brings us into his eternal glory. Amen. So not my will be done, but his. Amen. You still with me? Amen. A little further. So now this subject of unclean spirits. Now, it, it does seem in the New Testament, I, I've heard the comment, haven't you, that a lot of people are like, well, there was a lot of, apparently, skeptics will say this, there's a lot of demonic activity going on, it ain't going on today. My first answer to that is this, yeah, because the Son of God is standing next to the demons and they can't take it. They're worried to death. Even, even this one said, uh, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? It sounds like legion, right? Have you come to torment me before the time? Please don't torment me. Please don't cast me into outer darkness. Please, please, please. He's terrified of Jesus. And Jesus cast legion into the swine. And even the swine, and certainly not teaching suicide, but even the swine would, would, don't want to live with demons controlling their life. So even 
The devils standing next to them, they can't help it. That's the point. So some might say, why was there a lot of demonic activity back then? There isn't today. The first answer is, is whenever Jesus gets in the room and there's someone possessed of the devil, they can't handle his presence. They can't handle it. But then the second question is this. How do you know there's not demonic activity going on today? How, how do you know people aren't possessed of the devil? But it certainly seems the symptoms are the same, aren't they? I mean, people have no control of themselves. People are led about by something else that's controlling them. People uh, wish they could escape, but they can't. I mean, it's even, I'm, I'm certain, this is not a judgmental statement. There's a lot of people in this city, in this town, in these roads, in these blocks, walking around like they're zombies, like they're possessed. They're not acting themselves, are they? So I, what do we say to that? I would say they need the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Desperately. They desperately need him. So anybody, this is the, it's the same symptom. So just take it out, take the symptom, take Legion. He's cutting himself. He's walking around half naked. They try to do everything they can with him. They've put him into program after program and, and, uh, and all, these pro, all the stuff that man could come up with and they finally couldn't do anything with him and they just chain him up in the graveyard and that couldn't even hold him. They can't do nothing with him. He's left to his own self. It's the same thing today, isn't it? In the book of Galatians, I, I, I really feel led of God to share this with you, and I'm going to. In Galatians chapter number 5, there's an interesting word, and I want to draw your attention to it. In Galatians chapter 5, we'll start at verse number 19. This is the, the New Testament where it speaks about the works of the flesh, or how the lost person behaves, or the symptoms of someone who doesn't know Jesus. And I'm only trying to show us that demonic possession still is active in this world today. So this is the works of the flesh. This is symptoms. This is symptoms of people who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Verse 19, Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, or this is what it looks like. That's what manifest means. Which are these? This is what it is. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, of the such like, and I, I have to do this, of the which I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So the New Testament is taken for granted. When somebody's born again, there are certain things that stops in their life. Or that Jesus begins to change them. They're a new creature, a new person. But did you notice the word in verse number 20? Witchcraft. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Witchcraft, in other Bible translations, the word sorcery is used. The word witchcraft or sorcery, in the Greek, if you was back then, you would hear the word, you would hear the word pharmakia. Pharmakia is the word translated in our English, King James Version, witchcraft. Other versions of the Bible, you'll find sorcery. It's from the Greek word pharmakia. Listen, it is where we get the English word pharmacy. That's, that's pharmakia is where we come up with the word pharmacy. And so what does that mean? 
You would agree then that there, there are, we have souls, lost souls who are in desperate need of Jesus Christ that have all the symptoms of what? Demonic possession. That they are bound up by something. They're controlled by something. They're imprisoned by something. They can't... They, and to beat all, they would give anything to be set free. Anything. You talk to them. You ask them. They've lost their family over it. They've lost their health over it. They've lost their teeth over it. They've lost their mind over it. They've lost relationships over it. And can we not pray to God that Jesus Christ can save these lost souls before it's too late? They need Jesus and they need our love and they need our prayers. Amen? Is demonic possession going on today? Absolutely. Do you know, I'm not at all suggesting that everyone who does drugs, that's where I was getting at, is possessed of the devil. But I am confident that anyone who does pharmakia, witchcraft, sorcery, you know what sorcery is? Let me hold my place there. Sorcery is using unbiblical, ungodly means to deal with with life, hardship, to connect with another dimension, to escape a certain reality. What does drug use do? It connects you with another dimension. It, 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 it produces another reality. It is a means by which you cope with the pressures and stress and hardships of life other than God. Pharmakia, sorcery. That's what sorcery is. So listen to me, especially children. You might not know what this means yet. You may, but drug use opens the door, or adult, opens the door for the oppression of Satan in your life. So at the least, it opens the door for satanic oppression in your life. And at the worst, it opens the door for satanic possession of your life. And we know this, don't we? We know it. Can a Christian struggle with all kinds of sins? Absolutely. Amen? But what if we turn to things or activities or drugs that alter or introduce another reality, we are opening the door for the the devil to have influence over our lives where the Holy Spirit should be influential instead of the wicked one. Amen? Ephesians says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? So, to answer the question, is there demonic possession today? I'm not an expert on the subject, but I don't think these people were either. And I could put myself in the crowd in the synagogue and I could say, this person is not in control. This person wishes to God they were. This person is out of the rhythm of their social order. This person needs help. This person seems to be possessed.
controlled, led about by another power, another spirit. They are not themselves. I would say they're possessed. And you know, I've seen the same thing today. This poor soul, this poor heart is possessed by something. And you know, Jesus introduces his power to you and I by the power to break the chains of possession. Jesus introduces himself as just like it would be today. We would say, what awesome power and might is this? We would say if Jesus walked down uh, the viaduct and maybe around Broadway down in, in, down in downtown Knoxville, we would be amazed in so much and we would question among ourselves, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this that he is doing what we've spent billions of dollars and we still haven't accomplished it? I remember in school, when I was in fifth grade, I'm about through tonight, we had the D.A.R.E. program at least, and D.A.R.E. you don't do drugs. Do not do drugs. And let's broaden it a little bit. Do not do anything that cracks the, the door of your heart open for the devil to put his foot in it. And when he puts his foot in there, he is not going to let it out. All he's got to do is put his foot in the door jam. Hey, that could be anything. Let's not be judgmental, okay? <laughs> that could be anything in our lives. So you might think, well, this isn't relevant to me today because, boy, I'm glad that's over. I'm glad those things aren't happening today. Hey, listen, they're not over at all. It's still going on today. Amen? amen. Hey, all of us are struggling with something. Say amen. <laughs> all of us are. Just because you're struggling with something, don't leave here thinking you're possessed of the devil. I don't know when that line is, and neither do you. And since we don't know, since we don't know what it is, let's just stay away from it. Hey, I got some honeybees at my house. And for three years, I could mow by them. I'd mow right by them. I mean, right by the entrance, Bashy. They wouldn't even bother me. Two weeks ago, I mowed right by them. They lit me up. Up, I, it was the day of the cook. The day before we had the the youth cookout, my jaw was swollen, looked like a big old mastiff hound. I was just humongous, and you know what? The other day I was mowing, and I thought I ain't gonna go over there no more. I didn't. I put my bee suit on next time I go mow. That's what I'll do. I don't think I'll mess with that no more. You might say, well, they hadn't done it a bunch. Most of the time they haven't, but I'll say, yeah, but. Yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, it might. Or most of the time it don't, but it might. You know, there's a lot of us today, listen to me, there's a lot of us today could do something in our lives and we might walk away from it. But there's a lot, maybe some of us here today, if you do that one thing, you might not ever walk away from it. You, you hear me? You might not ever walk away from it, ever, ever. Don't drive by there. <laughs> Don't mess with it. Don't gamble your soul away, okay? Hey, listen, this man, though the good news is, which is kind of bad news, but good news, this possessed man, he needed Jesus just as much as Simon Peter needed Jesus. He needed him just as much. 
This man needed Jesus just as much as the, as the sons of Zebedee needed Jesus, James and John. They all need Jesus the same. They all do. But here's the thing. Most, if, if we are victims of the devil's schemes, even though Jesus can cast him out, on his way out, he's going to tear us. It's going to cost us pain. And we might not be what it could have been. Just don't ever open the door to sorcery. Which, you say, does this have anything to do with the context of this sermon? This man was possessed of the devil, and he got that way through a means called sorcery that gave the devil access to his soul. It's literally inviting him in. Don't do it. Don't do it. Amen? Don't do it. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Listen to me. Sorry, Bryson. Here tonight, here's what the Bible is teaching us. Here, let's review. The Bible is teaching us about Jesus. He speaks with authority to prove his authority, to prove and legitimate, to say, I, I got authority. Hey, at work, we got bosses. And I could say to Jason, you need to clean up your desk. To prove I have the authority, you'd walk and you'd see Jason, he'd be cleaning up his desk. But if I was just like Jason, I said, hey, Jason, clean up your desk, he'd go, I ain't doing it because Josh said it. But what if, what if Jason's boss said it, and now he's cleaning up his desk? You'd say, wow, he has authority. Jesus is doing the same thing. Hey, he has authority, and to prove that authority, the demons are cast out of this man. Thank God for him, amen? Thank God for him. Jesus made him whole and made him well. And the lesson is, is that he has authority, and to prove his authority, he, has the, he proved it by casting out demons, and no man has authority to do that except God. Now, what's the application to not? I don't know what you've got inside of you tearing you up and making you struggle and ruining your mind and hurting your soul, but Jesus has the power and the authority to do it. To do what no man can do, to do what no doctor can do, to do what no psychiatrist could do, Jesus Christ has the authority and the power to do it, tonight, if you go to him by faith. And there might be some tearing, there might be some screaming in your life, some crying out. It might be the beginning of a process called sanctification, that this is the night, though, that Jesus said, follow me, and you went. And after three and a half years, you were different. You were different. Follow Jesus, amen? Tonight, Jesus Christ is your answer, amen? He's your answer. If you need him, cry out to him. Run to him in faith as we sing together. Bless us, Lord. Help us, Jesus.